0: Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community.
1: Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an
0: international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, pilates, and meditation personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, recording in beautiful Cheltenham, England.
1: And I'm Tyler Held, a semi-retired professional five-star groom and sport and performance psychology doctoral student and practitioner. I'm a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation, I am a gym owner and a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I am recording this from a particularly beautiful day um, in Chester County, Pennsylvania, right on my porch. So if any birds make it into the recording, that is why. Great background noise. Like, I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it. I feel like some of our best episodes have been recorded outside
0: yeah that's true we've had a couple good ones yeah and I do miss being like right next to you as we record but uh soon enough maybe like in two more episodes or something
1: actually one of the um, memories came up on my Facebook today that we were recording episode 19 side by side and I think that was like right uh sort of in the middle of COVID so that was fun that we were able to do that yeah definitely
0: Well, anyways, uh, welcome, or welcome back, to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals via our pillars, which are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show, so make sure to check those out.
1: Um, On this particular episode this month, we're going to center our conversation around the power of words. Um, So I feel like there's a lot of little topics that are going to feed into this main one, but basically just want to talk about how our language, how we phrase things can affect our mindset, and then how our our mindset can affect things from there. Um, The power of words you get to choose, what sort of words you're bringing into the environment, what phrases you're using about yourself, situations, other people. So we'll take those through our pillars. Um, But before we do that, as always, we're going to go ahead and get into some of our goals and latest reads. So Emily, I'm going to let you take it away. Um, And I feel like since we are going to go sort of on the power of words theme today, talking about our word of the year is going to be um, especially relevant and important. So let's brush up on all those things. For sure.
0: Well, my word of the year is value. And, uh, if you've listened to previous episodes, you've kind of understood that I'm, I'm trying to really figure out like what I value and how I can bring value to others. And I will say that living in another country all by myself has given me plenty of time to ponder this. And, uh... I guess, especially recently, I've realized how much I value the people that I've left behind in the States, my friends and family and my students. Uh, I am having a great time here. Like, England's awesome, and, you know, the riding, the training, so good. I'm grateful to be here, but to be honest, I'm getting a little homesick. Um, but on the flip side, I do have more time to focus solely on Barry and improving our partnership has been wonderful Uh, and I think just having that extra time with Barry and really like not being in a rush every day like I can be on him as long as I need to to get the job done and uh, it's nice because I think at home sometimes life gets busy you know I'm teaching, training, riding other horses and sometimes it can be easy to Um, just not spend as much time as I need to with Barry and so it's just been really nice to have that flexibility and I guess ability to do whatever I need to do with him each day so that's been really really fun and uh, so I guess I value all of those things and as far as my goals this year I have focused on it being the year of the twos, and uh, I guess along those lines, I am currently working on trying to get a second horse while I'm here. I've found some nice young horses, and fingers crossed, uh, the vetting goes according to plan, and uh, I might have another horse to bring back with me. And also, as you know another two related things I try to pick like two important things I want to get done every day it's been again having this extra time it's almost like so much I'm like I don't know what to do with myself you know and I'm like trying to create tasks and things to get done Um, and sometimes it can end up being like a laundry list which ends up overwhelming me and actually keeps me from getting as much done that I want to get done, so I've kind of found that if I pick two things that I want to accomplish in the day, you know, big or small, if I can get those done, like, I I feel, you know, better about everything, and if I get more than that done, great, but I really try to pick like two things that I know I will feel good about myself if I check those off the list, so, that's me. Uh, what about your word, Tyler? How has that been impactful this year?
1: Yeah, um, so my word is growth. Um, and, you know, again, we talk about this sort of every episode. So if you're listening along, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse, so to speak. But I feel like there has been a really strong theme um, of growth and Just letting things happen instead of forcing them to happen. I feel like when I look back to the past as I was setting goals like even to 2019 where we had 19 goals for 2019. It was like I was just running around and forcing everything into a box um, and actually Uh, One of our good friends of the podcast, uh, Alexis, uh, gave me a necklace when she sort of heard me talk about growth, um, and it's called the Sacred Seed Necklace, um, and sort of that idea of planting a seed and nurturing it. Um, has really become my focus right I want to grow certain things I have my feet in certain pots I'm you know I've got my business the gym I've got my business of sports psychology finishing the doctorate and instead of trying to you know force something to happen I'm just watering the ideas um, thinking what what can I do to nurture these skills and these concepts in order to grow them in the way that I want to? So just kind of looking that at that in a different way and noticing how the opportunities are coming to me instead of feeling like I'm constantly searching and spreading myself thin, um, going after them. So um, just kind of wanted to say that and also thank uh, Alexis for the beautiful necklace check out Luxuries for Your Soul um, if you're interested in having one for yourself. It's beautiful, by the way. I, I love it, your necklace. It's so pretty. It uh, Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's like the perfect length and it's my color uh, green. Uh, I forget the name of the stone off the top of my head, but it's a really beautiful stone. Um, and it was very thoughtful of her and and like I said kind of just bringing all those those ideas together um, and sort of that rumination made me think okay you know you can't force something like you just have to water it, nurture it, and let it grow from there and so um, instead of thinking about the outcome, think about the goals that I'm looking at, it's what what nutrients am I putting in Um, and along those lines for the year of 22 I was planning to have, uh, or I set a goal to have at least 22 new sports psychology clients and I was overwhelmed by a response that I posted out to some Facebook groups of looking for some new clients, trying to get my hours. I have to have 200 hours of direct consulting and ended up getting a lot of people reaching back out about that. Um, I'm definitely well over 22 new clients. And sort of I'm just like super grateful for that goal um, being achieved and moving forward with my career in consulting from there. So
0: that's fantastic.
1: And uh, I'm sure your your new
0: clients are loving it because you're, fantastic
1: so thank you thank you Emily um so also I just wanted to say in terms of this (laughs) next thing that we're about to say you were totally right like we were totally in sync last time I don't know why I thought we were way off (laughs) um but let's see let's see if we can hit it this time um what time is it Emily okay books 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 books. (laughs) (laughs) that time we were off i don't know i think we maybe did it we'll see
0: no we for sure didn't you (laughs) trust 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 me on that one um (laughs) that was a fail it's okay Uh, but anyways it is our favorite section books 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 and i have been reading more lately again just having that little extra time and i've really like enjoyed um reading some more novels that have and i've read quite a few good ones, but the book that I want to talk to you about, because I think it may be helpful to others, you know, people who are listening might get some value out of this book, is called uh, Happy Days by Gabrielle Bernstein, and basically, it's a book about trauma, and trauma can be big T, you know... little t trauma like everybody has gone through some sort of trauma in their lifetime um but basically she kind of walks you through uh how to address and kind of heal from various trauma and it's something that like you can't really ignore you know a lot of times especially like small trauma can be easy to like ignore and be like oh that's not a big deal it could be as simple as somebody like I don't know fat shaming you one time or something you might just blow that off but like that actually can affect you and um it can show up in other ways you know um through addiction or depression even physical ailments um and it's it is actually interesting there's a whole chapter in the book about like how trauma can show up physically and tyler i think you actually you read a book like i think it's the body keeps the score yep and she kind of references yeah she references that book and it's it's fascinating um so basically it sounds a little intense and scary but gabby does a great job of gently guiding you towards the path of healing and she kind of shares her story um and what has helped her along the way and she's written like a ton of best-selling books i really i've read a couple of her books and it's just an interesting topic and i think something that doesn't get talked about that much but it's something that we all deal with in our own way and uh this is just a very good resource so that's my book what about you
1: well first of all i'm gonna have to read that and i feel like it's gonna put me in the same predicament that i was in this month where um, as i'm taking on more and more clients i have less time to read so we're kind of flipping roles um, cause I was, I was looking at the books that I finished and the one that I read was Midnight Library, which was your recommendation from last month. So I'm yeah. not going to go ahead and talk about that one. Um, but I, I'm really interested in Happy Days, um, just because I, I use that idea of trauma, uh, trauma the little t traumas more so in uh, sports psychology consulting big t traumas you're probably going to want to go to a clinical mental health professional but those little t traumas like the things instructors have said to us the experience with horses that we've had um, falling off getting injured very relevant to my practice um, and I sort of use that analogy a lot so um, I'd just be really interested in being able to read that book so I will put it on my list next um but uh I actually also think it's kind of interesting that your book was surrounded um mental health because one of the things that or books that I've read and I haven't I haven't gotten all the way through it and honestly the book's been almost hard for me to read because of how personal it is um it's, the, the book is called Life is Tricky, and it's by Lindsay Mueller, and Lindsay is a clinical mental health professional um, who struggles with a disorder called tricholomania, um, which is hair pulling disorder, so there's a, uh, she, she pulled out her scalp, um, tricholomania is something that I've struggled with my entire life, uh, not my hair on my head, but like i pull out hair like on my kneecap and on my legs and um, sometimes when I'm really stressed out or anxious I'll do it to the point of scarring my body and so it's something that I like recently was sort of exploring through some of my more clinical classes in school of saying like oh okay like this is something that's in the diagnostic manual of mental disorders um, and it's actually listed under obsessive compulsive disorder and I definitely have some like OCD tendencies right I'm never going to diagnose myself I would never recommend anyone to go read the diagnosis diagnostic manual and diagnose yourself Um, but just sort of an exploration and a rumination that I'm having and I just thought it was really interesting that this book is the journey of someone that's like I am a clinical mental health practitioner that I'm dealing with something myself and like sort of the imposter syndrome that goes along with that Um, and I think it just sort of speaks to we all have our things Um, I don't know why that's like my weird like so you know some people bite their nails some people um I don't know other little things like that like my thing has always been just like this hair pulling thing um and I find that when I'm really stressed out uh other people will notice they'll be like oh hey what's that thing on your leg and I'll make some excuse like oh I got that at jujitsu like it's just mat burn um and so sort of coming to terms with it and trying to take more control over it um I'd say since reading that book I've been a lot better about not doing that. Um, But yeah, just sort of an interesting self-disclosure, hopefully not an overshare. Hopefully someone can relate to sort of dealing with something and and starting to explore it.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that. And um, because that is personal, but I know that uh, that can be sometimes the best way to help others, right, is sharing your experience and uh, maybe somebody else doesn't feel quite as alone. So thanks.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Tyler. Thanks, Emily. Should we jump into our main topic for the episode? I think we should, uh, which is the power of words.
0: And why is this important in the equestrian world? I uh, and how can we be more mindful of the words that we choose you know it just what language we use really affects like how we feel how others around us feel it's a powerful thing and so just being more mindful of the words that we choose and how we use them is something that applies to the equestrian world and Just life in general. Uh, Some examples, a couple of these are just some personal things that I've noticed in the barn is when people don't use other people's actual names, you know, especially like if you're talking about barn staff, you know, make sure that you're uh, acknowledging the actual person you know, that's, that's helping you or that you, um, are interacting with. And that seems small, but like, you know, just kind of be aware of that because I think it's more common than you think where you just refer to someone as, oh, the stall cleaner or, um, the, the, I don't know what else there, the guy that mows the lawn, you know, like give people some, um, respect and um i guess that's that's pretty much it and also horses names you know again this is kind of it's like a little thing but to me it makes a big difference you know some some barns especially bigger ones tend to just be like oh the bay gelding the chestnut mare whatever you know again giving these these creatures um an actual name, you know, I think, and, and using it is, um, is a big help to, like, I don't know, help me out here, Tyler, I guess. It's just, like, it's a more personal thing, right? And it's, it's, again, giving that respect to others. Um, another topic that we'll kind of talk about throughout our four pillars would be, embracing multiple facets of a person by using and you know a lot of times we get so wrapped up in being an equestrian but there's more to us so like we can be an equestrian and a mother or you know fill in the blank we'll get into that more later but that's just a theme that we're going to talk about throughout and also using affirmations um and you know choosing some powerful words to remind you of your values and what you're working towards do
1: you have anything to add to that Tyler yep well I I just I love how you were like help me out Tyler and And then I just just kept kept going I was like oh like, she was just like, help me out. And I was like, okay. And then you just, like, ran away. And then I it. just kept going. But I think you conveyed the... I, I think you conveyed the meaning and sort of point really well. Again, um... I feel like this topic is going to be fun and interesting because it does cover a lot of facets and I think it really does apply to mindset, fitness, nutrition and community. There's ways that you can talk about things and structure things. Um, in a certain way, I think the the biggest thing to think about is like our our thoughts influence our behaviors. Our behaviors, you know, are the result. Our actions are the result of our behaviors, and so to be able to influence something at the base level of that thought or um how you're bringing something into the world um from a connection level, the the name example of um hey you with the curly hair is a lot less of a connection than you know addressing someone by their first name having that level of uh just respect and common ground with someone I think is like very important and uh, like I said like I think this is a dynamic subject and as we sort of go through these pillars we'll sort of express that I think Emily's got her own approach to it and I've got more of my sports psychology hat on so I think there will be something for everything um, in this episode so with that being said Emily do you want to take away some of the main points and thoughts that you have about how um words can affect uh that pillar of mindset so i think
0: probably the most important thing for me um when it comes to words and mindsets is using affirmations and i use affirmations daily Uh, i try to start my day with an affirmation like when i'm on the yoga mat um and try to carry that throughout the day or if i need something else throughout the day I can throw that in uh but I think the biggest thing about using an affirmation is that it needs to feel somewhat true in order to believe it like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent true but it can't be so out there that you don't believe what you're saying um you know if you're like I am a five-star rider and you've only ridden at a one star like that's gonna be hard for your your brain to like believe that. Um, and you could say like you're working towards it, but again, just the words that you choose are important there. Uh, some of my favorite affirmations that I like to use at competitions are I have trained for this and I have the skills to succeed. I thrive under pressure and am prepared. My mind is calm and I am ready. And you can also switch these affirmations to we, if it applies to your horse, and like the partnership that you have together. Um, So an example of that would be, we have a great partnership and that shows up on course. So you can get creative, have fun with these, but anything that just like makes you feel The way that you want to feel going into a competition or just like your daily riding or how you interact with your horse and people at the barn, anything like that. Um, The sky is the limit, really. So, another thing um, that I I see sometimes in students that I talk to um, or, you know, just any any equestrian um that i've talked to is using the word just okay just is i i think it seems like a insignificant word but it actually can be kind of harmful if you use it to say i'm just riding novice or i'm just jumping cross rails or whatever it is you know eliminate that word I'm riding novice okay I'm jumping over cross rails there's a there's a big difference to that because like what you're doing whatever level it's at is valuable so um just notice and I just said just again but notice um mm-hmm. when that word comes up and I'm I'm guilty of it too uh, you know I've definitely said um at competitions uh like, if I'm competing at a lower level, oh, I'm just riding intermediate, you know, it's like, no, just take that out, like, I'm riding intermediate, it's all valuable, like, whatever, whatever you're doing, so that is kind of, um, my take
1: on that, what, what do you have, Tyler? Well, first, I just want to, um, reiterate and react to some of the stuff that you just said because um, I feel like another one is I'm just an amateur right and one of the biggest things that we can do is limit um, ourselves by getting in our own way and I feel like that identity piece of, oh, I'm just an amateur, or I just do this for fun, you're not giving yourself permission to have the sort of goals and um, accomplishments that you want to have. And so whenever we're starting to frame sort of that mindset, it's like, is this debilitative or facilitative to what I want to do? Is thinking I'm just an amateur producing the results that you want to produce and if it's not how can you change that and own it in different ways and i also really appreciate how you said with the affirmations right like you can't be someone that's never ridden a horse before and just sit there and say i am a one-star rider and become it right like there's um there is a time and a place where the affirmation stuff gets too in the woo wooey and I feel like making that realistic optimism of understanding that confidence comes from doing but then building up your confidence with positive statements so that you can bridge the gap of I'm doing something that's scary for the first time but I am confident I know how to do this I've practiced it before or I at least have some sort of thing that I can draw resilience and confidence from to tie an affirmation to to produce the results that I want um so I feel like we could really honestly make a whole episode just under the pillar of mindset because again I heard you talk about that and I'm already have my mind going Mm -hmm. um seven different directions in how could I expand um and get on that but for the sake of our listeners um I will go ahead and transition into the some of the stuff that I have down, which the first one we've definitely talked on the podcast before, um, but as with mental skills, um, repetition is very important, so hearing this repeated um, is not going to do anyone uh, disarm, um, and that's the biggest idea of saying, I have to versus I get to, right? If you say, oh, I have to go to the barn, I have to ride my horse, um, I have to perform today, you're turning all of those things into a chore and it really puts it into a box. Whereas if you say you get to, we're attaching gratitude towards it and we're attaching more positivity towards the experience. So um, even things that are less desirable, uh, such as doing laundry or um, cleaning the house like you don't have to do any of that stuff in the reality if you left it all you would just not have any clean clothes to wear or you know you would just be living in dirt and filth and grime and so yeah like Maybe it's not an opportunity. Maybe you're not feeling lit up inside over the fact that you're doing dishes or doing laundry or anything like that. But if you can attach some more positive language onto it, it changes the experience that you have with that thing. Um, right like nobody has to go to work but you have you you probably want to pay your bills you probably want to make sure that you can provide for your horse and so y- you don't have to go to work you don't have to do anything you don't have to get out of the bed in the morning but like it- once you start appreciating everything a little bit more you can bring the joy back into that um, and then another thing that I really want to talk about that I think really applies to equestrians in particular is um, sort of the language of coaching and understanding how each individual is motivated by different things. Um, As an instructor, Emily, like you might think you're providing the right motivation for someone to fix a problem right if you feel like oh like maybe this person just needs a little tough love when in reality that person is reacting to what you're saying um, by recoiling their confidence they're feeling it's not coming in a constructive way so not only the way that we receive language but the way that we put it out in the world making sure we do things like sandwiching constructive criticism say something good say something they could do better say something good again because I feel like we get from a brain perspective, um, just in the pattern of looking for negatives, right? That's how we're hardwired. We, you know, descend from cavemen that are always looking for threats. And so if someone is in the back of our ear saying, oh, that's not good, you got to do that better, and it's all negative, 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 we're already hardwired to do that. So it puts us in a really difficult place. Um, And one of my favorite quotes um, is, you know everyone is a genius but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it will live its whole life believing it's stupid so if you're teaching someone that's a visual learner just by vocal cues they might never figure it out Um, and so if you're someone that's teaching or supporting someone sort of taking that framework to it or if you're learning and you're feeling frustrated and you're feeling like okay maybe this isn't the right fit with this trainer or maybe I can ask them if they can say things a different way or show me, get on my horse. Um, and just sort of, again, the the point of all of our conversation is to produce more positive experiences. And so to think about that in terms of how can I get a positive experience out of this? Yeah, good. I, I really like that quote too. I think that that's
0: just like, such a great one so
1: i think they they like credit it to albert einstein but did he really say it i don't know it's a good quote regardless whoever
0: said it they were a genius so okay well i think that's uh a good place to stop with the the mindset and get into our next pillar of fitness and going along the whole affirmation line um You know, again, you can get creative, come up with something that works for you. But here are just a couple examples. Uh, My body is the way I communicate effectively with my horse. I will honor this by staying fit. And I think for me personally, working what I value into the affirmation, like, helps to strengthen its power. So, you know, you might not always want to work out, but if you value communicating effectively with your horse then you know you're going to have to to work on yourself and like your body control to have this correct communication um so again just just trying to break it down and figure out a way to make it true and um helpful for you and the other thing is to embrace and. I, I really like the word and, you know, being able to have multiple things at the same time. So um, try to get involved in multiple activities. You know, Tyler does Jiu Jitsu and CrossFit, I ride horses and do yoga. Uh, I think that cross training and giving yourself that permission to like enjoy multiple things and do multiple things is important. And again, like just embracing those different identities, if you if you will. So
1: yeah, and I feel like something that ties really well into that is um, you know sort of looking at one of the most. Uh, Olympians with the most longevity, uh, Sean White, uh, he always talks about how he was so powerful and was able to continue to perform at such a high level because he did skateboarding and snowboarding. Now, those two sports are similar in ways, but he he expresses how, uh, you know, not being able to snowboard all year round is was a positive, right? It was okay. I could have really easily burnt out on that if I just tried to do that all the time. And I think that's where we get so pinholed in as a society, right? There's a specialization. Um, I talk about it a lot. um, As I'm building my jujitsu gym, I feel like the hardest group that I have drawing in is that sort of nine to 14 range, because what kids are starting to hear is that, oh, if you want to be any good, you have to specialize, specialize, specialize. So once they get to age nine, if they like hockey, they're playing hockey year-round. Or if they like football, it's football and um, weightlifting for football. And it's all very specialized and directed. And there's a book that recently came out um, called, like I think it's like Generalists uh, or Range, Why Generalists. Yeah dominate in the specialized world or whatever um, I, don't, I don't think I got that title absolutely correct but the it's definitely called range um, yeah. and, and being able to slow motion multitask and see how different activities can relate to each other and realizing that yeah maybe you can't be world class at X y and z but almost having that second thing that you're you're bad at that you don't put as much pressure on, that it's like, hey, I want to be a really good um, horseback rider and I'm going to go laugh at myself when I suck at Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something like that, where it's just uh, that and that that you're uh, embracing there, Emily. Yeah. Um, but something that I sort of jotted down for this area of fitness and, um, you know, Emily kind of touched on it, I do CrossFit and jiu-jitsu – I feel like the power of words and language that we approach fitness with uh, really applies to those two quote unquote difficult physical challenges, right? Um, People look at CrossFitters or they look at people that do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and they say, I could never do that, I'm not fit enough for that, I'm not strong enough for that. And it's a little bit of a paradox of... The way that you get strong, the way that you get tough, the way that you get fit is by doing the thing. So then by attaching some sort of language that says, I am not good enough for that, I am not strong enough for that, I am not brave enough for that, how are you ever going to be? The best way to do something is to try and to sort of go ahead and have some sort of framework for okay yeah i understand that confidence like for me in multiple ways comes from that competence preparation piece but at some point to get to a to b to get to i've never lifted a weight um, in my life to I'm gonna go do this really hard CrossFit workout is Picking up the first weight and that confidence comes from valuing the thing that you want so if you're looking at it and you're like wow like I would Really like to be that person that can do that workout or you know I would really like to be that person that's going novice even though. I've only jumped cross rails you're gonna have to do the steps jump the jumps get the competence, get the preparation, and all of a sudden, once you hit that novice level or once you feel the strength, feel the power, like, you're going to do the things that you wanted to do, but you can't limit your approach to it with the language that you're using. I hope that sort of made sense.
0: Yeah, I, I think so, and I think it's important to remember, like, your body can do things and sometimes you have to convince your mind and uh words can help convince your
1: mind so there you go awesome awesome what about for how this relates to nutrition emily
0: again uh some info information affirmations that's what we're after um a couple examples I value my body and feel it with healthy food or I choose to feel my body with plants because I am a compassionate uh, person towards all living things. That's more personal to me and like that's a reminder to me of why I don't eat meat because sometimes like you know, you want bacon or I do, you know, but I'm like, <laughs> I have to kind of <laughs> remind myself with an affirmation of something like that like, and I'm not saying that you're not compassionate if you eat animals, but for me personally, like that's that's what it does it for me. So, um, hope that didn't put anyone off there. Uh, but also, I think when it comes to your nutrition, not being too restrictive about the words you use and um, like. For me personally, if I tell myself I can't have something, I want it more, right? So, um, again, like I think you've heard me talk about this. I'm a vegan, but occasionally I'll allow myself to eat like eggs and dairy when I'm in a social setting or, you know want to but typically it's just like a social setting thing but if I was so restrictive with my words and said I can never eat any animal products that would just for me personally create more anxiety than it's worth and so again just trying to be a little um just choose your choose your words around your eating habits wisely and try to tie into a value that you have. Um, you know, like why you want to eat the way you do uh, can be helpful.
1: Yeah, and Emily, I think I'm really gonna piggyback on sort of what you're saying with this non-restrictive aspect um, on this one because it's definitely something that I really struggle with personally. Um, You know, nutrition, it's something that we talk about on the podcast, it's something that I know to be important. Um, And you know, in my doctoral program, I've taken sports nutrition classes, like I know how to eat. Uh, but sometimes the bridge between knowing what's good for you and then actually putting it into action is one of the hardest things to do Um, and you know ties ties back into this conversation of oh I have to right I if, if I go around saying I have to eat clean that little like pressure that it puts on me um, you know, in some areas of my life, I really peak under pressure and I feel like nutrition's not really one of them. Um, if I'm a little bit more lax with my mindset towards I get to eat healthy and today I get to treat myself to a little ice cream or today I get to, you know, allow myself to enjoy this, then the results that I see from that healthy eating are a lot better and I really appreciate um sort of the 80/20 rule for that, right? Like 80% of the time you should be eating real unprocessed uh whole foods and you've got to allow that 20% so it's not so forced into a box. Um, I feel like the, the more strict I've tried to adhere to a plan, the more slip-ups I make in terms of, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that, or, you know, it's almost this greedy feeling when you're, you're breaking a rule. So you feel like it's hidden, there's a lot of shame there, a lot of unnecessary stress. And I feel like um, one of the things that is really starting to help me sort of see all of this in a different light um weight cutting for brazilian jiu-jitsu so uh pretty much at the bigger tournaments that i'm starting to do it is most advantageous to cut down a weight class if you're on the the borderline because uh everyone will cut weight so if i'm 165 cutting down into the 163 weight class with my gi on is sort of needed um because i don't want to go in the upper weight class and have someone that's 180 cutting down to 175. i won't go into all the details but it's just sort of a reality of the sport and so before my first uh not my first IBJJF but before my last competition i was like oh crap i'm not where i need to be with my weight and I went a little bit overboard with my restrictions, right? I like did an extreme calorie deficit, I was drinking tons of water, and I was putting a lot of stress on myself thinking, am I gonna make this weight or not? Um, And then post that sort of stressful period, I went back to, I'm just gonna eat when I'm hungry, try to eat healthy but not stress out if, you know, today I'm craving a Klondike bar after dinner, Um, And it's funny, my weight like stabilized and stayed right where I wanted it to be the whole time I was forcing it down because I didn't have this stress aspect. And that sort of ties back into conversations that we've had in the past about how like stress is a factor in nutrition. And so tying that back into words, it's what am I going to do today Uh, from an abundance mindset right again I feel like adding some of Emily's affirmations back in there of like food is fuel and it's enjoyment and it's experience not like hey I'm gonna force myself to eat chicken without any seasoning on it rice and broccoli every day for the next six weeks because I want to look good in a bikini yeah I mean who doesn't want to look good in a bikini, but I mean, mean, fair enough, fair enough, but like, you know, (laughs) I get what you're saying, Are you, are you really gonna enjoy looking good in the bikini if you, like, are starving? I don't know, I've just been in situations where I'm like, oh, I, I can't, I can't even eat, um, sushi right now, so I'm gonna sit and watch my friends eat dinner while I, like, you know, had my pre-portioned meal before I came out, and I don't know, you know, yeah. I, I feel like that this is a topic that Emily and I are still learning and exploring ourselves, but, you know, the more personal anecdotes that we can share, the more it will help uh, you with your, your own struggles. Definitely. And speaking of helping others, let's jump
0: into community. So some affirmations that I have for this are, I am surrounded by people who care for me and I care for them. And I value my community and use my talents and experience to give back. So those, again, just some examples. You can make them more personal to you, but for me those are helpful. You know, they, they remind me to be grateful um, for the important people in my life and also that it's a giving and receiving type of relationship, right? I I'm thankful to have these people that help me, but I also want to to help them. So working that into the language of the affirmation is important for me personally. Um, And then going back to using the word and um, to embrace all aspects of somebody. I I had a, a friend that I was talking to the other day and, you know, we're just having a casual conversation. And then it started to get a little bit deeper. And I asked what kind of like life goals he has, you know, like what, what, what is making you excited? Like, what are you working towards? Like what would make you uh, really happy in the next year, two, five, whatever. And his response was to be the best son boyfriend, brother, uncle, um, and the best at what he does for work that he can be. And I thought that that was just like a, a brilliant answer. You know, it was so simple. You know, it wasn't, it's not necessarily like a tangible thing, but it's something that you can work towards. And again, it's like embracing all aspects and trying to be the best version of that, that you can be. Um, so I guess the point of the story is, you know, try to apply that to your life, um, and be an equestrian and a friend and a coach and a daughter and whatever other titles you may carry and try to do that to the best of your ability. I don't know. I just, it was kind of a conversation that struck me, so... I thought Yeah, that was yeah.
1: Nice. I, I, I feel like that sort of goes to that sort of like tale of uh, the teacher asks the kids to write the prompt that says, what do you want to do uh, when you grow up? And, and the kid or what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kid writes, oh, I, I want to be happy. And the teacher says, oh, you didn't understand the assignment. And the students, like you don't understand life, right? Like of, yeah. of being happy. And um, I feel like that and, uh, and, and, and including those aspects of yourself that does give back to other people, right? We always talk about putting our own oxygen mask on first, but the the answer or the caveat or the, the end to that is you have to put your own oxygen mask on first so that you can help others put on theirs. Um, And so I think there's a lot of joy and psychological needs that are fulfilled by our connections with others. And I feel like that provides a really good framework. Yeah.
0: And just one other thing, um, it's more of a practical piece to this, but the words that you use towards others, like make a big difference. So telling someone, or saying good morning to someone versus just like nodding or saying, hey, or what's going on? You know, like good morning, that has a much warmer feeling to it or uh, have a great ride or anything like that. So again, just trying to pick words that show your appreciation towards other people and you know, that, that you care a little bit. And I think that that goes a long way.
1: I love it. I love it. Um, One, I I don't know if mine is, like, a little bit silly for community, but I just thought it was, like, a fun sort of thing to think about in terms of, like, how the power of words bring us together. Um, Because, like, I feel like as equestrians, there's always, like, immediate points of bonding, right? It's, like you meet someone that does horses and they're like oh you know like we just understand each other at like a base level it's the same thing in Jiu Jitsu community right there's a specific kind of person that enjoys a sport like that and so if someone else enjoys the sport that you're doing on in some way you can create common ground with that person even if their life outside of horses or their life outside of that gym activity is completely different than the person that you would usually spend your time with uh in your day-to-day life and sort of thinking how there's actually our own like language of things that we understand of you know saying things like oh i left out a stride or i chipped in and my shoulder in and someone that doesn't know horses uh you know like our non-horsey boyfriends are gonna smile and nod and be like okay honey and then you meet someone that understands the language and it's just you know, I don't care who you are, what your worldviews are, if you like horses, we have that common thread between us.
0: Yeah, we do have our own language, too. That's, I'm glad you pointed that out. And just side note, little, little off track, but not really. Um, being over here in England, it's funny that they have, like, a similar but different language for horse stuff, you know? So, um, I don't know if you you ran into that when you've been overseas, but I just, some of the things that they say, like they call a stall a box and yes, um, the halter is a head collar and a triple combination is a treble, you know, just like funny things like that. So um, again, slightly, slightly straying, but it's again, the words and the, the, connection with the words to the equestrian community community that we're in so
1: awesome awesome well uh that sort of I think wraps up the conversation on the power of words like I said I feel like we could probably have done a whole episode just in how our language affects our mindset but I think it was pretty helpful to sort of go through those threads and um Mm -hmm. You know, here's some of the affirmations that Emily uses. Here's some of the ways that we think this applies to equestrians. And hopefully you were able to take something out of our conversation today. Um, And if you weren't, uh, here's a training and grooming tip of the month that's all very actionable. So, Emily, I'll let you do your training tip first. Okay, well, this uh,
0: came to me because it's something that I have struggled with in the past and it's have you ever had a ride where you're like I can't remember what I did you know like at the end of it like it was pretty good but I don't actually remember like what I did or um you find yourself repeating the same thing over and over like day after day uh so something that's been helpful for me is to write or create a voice note um with what you're plan for your horses that day before you get on so like having a plan and you might not always stick to it but like just come in with some sort of intention again using some words to describe what you want to accomplish that day and then after your ride write or create a voice note with what you actually did and then observe any differences in like your pre-plan vos- versus like your um post ride analysis basically. And I found it helpful if you keep track for a couple days you might notice some patterns. Like, for example, I spend an awful lot of time practicing shoulder in but neglect to work on the halt and the rain back. And like why is that? Um and this is like kind of a real example I don't practice halts all that often and I really need to and like I didn't notice that I wasn't until like I really thought about it and like wow I need to to work on that so again just awareness is key and yeah hope that helps you guys
1: what about you Tyler what's your tip you- I want to piggyback and give you like yeah. a, a sports psychology tip of the month um, as a little bonus Jonas for the episode, oh uh, because I feel like it, it really relates into um, what we've talked about today and sort of uh, also ties in with what you just said of keeping track so one thing that I encourage all of my sports psychology clients to do because it really helps us strengthen our connection and practice together is to start to go into their rides looking for the three positive things that happened that day and then one thing that may, they may be needed to work on because our brains are so hardwired to look for patterns and so when you go into a ride and you're looking for the good then you're entering that like field of vision into your space, right? Like if you buy a Jeep, all of a sudden on the road, it seems like everywhere you turn, you see a Jeep. It's uh, sort of an attentional phenomenon that happens. And so when we go into something and we're looking for the positives and, and we're getting positives out of it can really create this positive, momentum and so when you're getting into a place where you are maybe not as confident as you feel you should be going into the ride or like a competition or anything like that and that affirmation of I can do this doesn't feel so real to you, having an actual log of look at all the skills that I have completed on a daily basis and everything that I've done right just helps sort of reinforce that confidence preparation piece um, that helps you be confident in the future. So definitely something that I would recommend um, if you're going to make a little note on your phone you can just sort of keep a log of all of that and then I thought I would segue my grooming tip of the month um, into this idea of written logs as well because I feel like if you're managing a ton of horses or even if you just have one you're a busy professional um, you know times limited at the barn one of the most horrible feelings is you know going down a horse's leg and thinking to yourself I thought that bump was there before but now I'm not sure and questioning it I'm in my head is this horse okay is this horse not okay like should I be be worried about this Um, is to just keep a little log of what the horses look legs look like and feel like a bonus if you want to take pictures and sort of understand like you know some horses do have splints that are already there and like how big are they do they feel hard are they squishy so that way you know if something comes up it's not is this new or is this old um or let's say you do find a scrape okay it's the size of my fingernail today let's make sure it's not bigger tomorrow or getting worse or anything like that. Um, just to keep track of, you know, that sort of thing. I don't think there's any real negative towards, uh, being really reflective about your horse's legs. They're very important.
0: That's a great tip. Um, cause I, yeah, it's, <laughs> I've definitely had that where I'm like, I think this was here, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know? So, Um, Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic, actionable advice tip. So, all right. Well, what's next at the whole equestrian? We are um, working on a couple things. We're doing a website revamp, so hopefully that will be out soon. Um, And we're also working on putting together a weekend workshop in the off-season, so probably November or December. That is going to be in Chester County, Pennsylvania, exact location to be determined, but we are working towards that, putting a group of people together that tie into our pillars and having different, um, like seminars, talks, uh, yoga classes hopefully some like pilates we've got we've got some things in the works but it will be a whole equestrian weekend so that is what's what's happening um here unless you can add to that
1: No, I mean, I will say, like, I loved you being um, so inclusive there, saying we were revamping the website. Meanwhile, Emily's like, I don't even want you to look. I've been doing so much work. I I haven't done diddly squat on that, so I'm going to let Emily take all the credit. Okay, well, you
0: put the original website together, but I realized it needed some updating, so I'm working on it. Um, I love it. Yeah. So... We hope that this episode gave you a chance to think about the impact of your words and how to harness that power to use it for good.
1: Please find us at The Whole Equestrian on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you like our content, we love your engagement with our social media, love hearing from our listeners. Um, if you have time to rate and review, those options are available, I believe, on Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts now. Um, so any feedback, good or bad, we'll accept it. Um. Do you know what number one asks mean, Emily? Did you put that in there? Oh, I put that in there. I was just saying that (laughs) I should have noted this before we
0: talked. But that was our one ask, to rate and review us. That's the one ask.
1: Okay, (laughs) Great. great. So I covered it. I got it.
0: Good. You got it. You got it. So, all right, guys. Thanks for listening.
1: We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness.
0: And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.